Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. So we gave him a little box of Smarties because we said, what a lot you got. And now we're taking something back, amen? So I think that's all the announcements, that's all the admin, and now we can get back into the Word. So I don't know who you realize, but uh, guys, if you haven't yet, this week is Valentine's Day. So we um, thought to make a bit of a Valentine's uh, theme, and um, so we're going to talk about your first love. But it also actually falls in with what we've been busy with, with your purpose and destiny. And this might be the last message in our series on your purpose and destiny. And really, if you think about it, like part of your purpose, your and my purpose, part of our destiny is to be love. You might want to, to fill in there like is to love God. And I mean, that is maybe true, but we need to realize what is our first love. And our first love is Him loving us, not us loving Him. So I want to start right off there, because uh, in life, life is difficult, and sometimes we forget to, to love. Sometimes we don't have enough love to give, and sometimes we're interested in loving God, but we don't really know how. And we grow weary in, in, in well-doing. The Word says we should not grow weary in well-doing, because otherwise we will not reap what we've been waiting for. We'll not reap the sowing, um, or the, the, the fruit of our sowing. So really, an awesome thing for us then to look at is what is our first love and we're going to go like we like to do from Genesis to Revelation. Anyone with you? No, you're not. Come on. Ben said, I'm just keep it short because no shedding starts at 10. So we've got 18 minutes. I said, would Jesus stop because of no shedding? And he said, no. I said, exactly. <laughs> so we came prepared. But um, yeah, the idea is not to go long. The idea is to go deep this morning. Okay? The idea is not to go long at all. But it's to go deep and that word unravel that I felt the Spirit speak to me, really, I think, is what God wants to do this morning. And it really wants to start off with, um, with Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah in Genesis. And we've been looking at Genesis um, for quite a bit now. And I want to start in Genesis 29. Genesis 29. Maybe this is one of those accounts that has maybe confused you. One of those accounts in the Bible that you feel is unfair or what's the purpose or why is this in here? Because it's two sisters and then the one is given in marriage when the, when the other one was promised in marriage. And guys, I don't know how that happens but uh, our sir Jacob woke up next to the wrong woman. He thought he married one lady and he woke up the next morning and he married another. Okay, so I don't want us to, to fall into that trap. Maybe you think you're serving God and then you wake up at the end of this life and you're like, who's this? And God says the same, who, who are you? Because the word says, everyone who calls him Lord, Lord, he will say what? I did not know you. So do you know God? Or better yet, does God know you? Genesis 29.10 says, And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. 
And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. Then we go to verse 15. It says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Just because you are my relative, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me, what should be your wages? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the one, the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. So there's first love. Amen. Some people will call it puppy love. Some people will call it like love at first sight. And these are the things that we see when Jacob saw uh, Rachel, that he was instantly in love. Okay, anyone with me? Guys, I don't want to ask you if he was instantly in love because you might put you under pressure. But you know when someone is in love. Like, everyone like seen someone in love recently. I have. Like, it's, it's a bit weird sometimes like, to be around them because they're in this little bubble. And there's not really anyone who can get into this bubble with them because it's just, I don't know, there's butterflies and there's doves and there's like rainbows and everything is going on in that bubble and it's unseen. But you can see, like it's evident these people are Leaf, yeah. Some guys are not that old, like you need to remember what this is like. <laughs> I just believe, but leave of allure, some will say. So that's first love. Now, Rachel is the younger daughter, so we need to realize that what was promised was uncommon. And Laban then pulls a, 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 a sneaky one and he gives Leah as the wife. Of Jacob, well, Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. Okay. Now, what's interesting, it says in the word that Jacob loved Rachel and he said, I will serve you seven years and Rachel, your younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give it to you than that I should give it to another man. Abide with me. So that's the deal. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed unto him but a few days, for because of the love he had to or for her for the love because of the love so seven years for him was like a few days he was so in love for seven years that he was like seven years it's quite a long time i don't know who dated for seven years man i do right there's some people who dated long i know and now they're holding the baby so well done <laughs> Talk in, uh, in Zanari. but we really need to think about this that he was so in love that for seven years, he worked, he labored, and it was like, so worth it. Okay? He, he, he just wanted to get through that seven years. Then we jump into verse 25, and it came to pass the morning, behold, it was Leah. <laughs> Don't ask me how, but he had the wrong wife. The fact that Laban tricked him is bad on Laban, but the fact that Jacob let it happen, is bad on him. I'll comment on that this morning. Okay? That's maybe a bit of uh, immaturity, if you will. And he said to Laban, What is thou that you have done to me? Did not I serve you for Rachel? Wherefore then have you beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Okay, so I want to just pause there and I want to show you, like, this is just an account 
in Genesis. Okay? Who wrote Genesis? Moses wrote Genesis. What did Moses write about? He wrote history? Psalm 78 says that there's dark sayings of old. So the dark sayings, the sayings, the stories, is like, not Proverbs, it's um, opposite to like, where there's a deeper meaning. Now, if we jump to Hebrews 11, we know that Moses actually wrote about Christ. Okay? In John 5, Jesus says to the Pharisees, he searched the scriptures for him, and they think he had to live a lot. But these scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, actually speak about me. Okay? So when we read an account like this, one of the things that we can do is not just enjoy the story and wonder about how did this happen and why was Jacob so stupid and why was um, um, Laban so, so, so sneaky. That's not what it is. What we need to say is Moses wrote this, Moses wrote about Christ, so where is this in the story? What is the, what can we read, not between the lines, but deeper? What is in this account that shows us Christ? Okay? And I know that some of the things that we shared in the series, people have said, but I don't know if that's really what it is. But you need to come from the perspective that I've just shared with you. That's how we write and divide the word of truth. And we know that when Moses writes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, in Revelation says Jesus is the beginning, then it is connected. So in the beginning is not just the time. In the beginning is Him. Because Jesus says, I am the beginning. And I'm the end. So if the beginning is who Jesus is, and Moses wrote, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, then it's not just speaking about when, but where. So the heavens and the earth are in Christ. Again, we looked at it last week, and we said Jesus is the ladder, the staircase that connects heaven and earth. Okay, but He is also the one in whom we live and move, and have our being according to Acts 17. So when we read this, it actually becomes so deep and so nourishing, and it actually also just highlights Christ. Okay? We'll never teach anything in this church that does not hero Jesus. Okay? So when we teach Genesis, you're going to hero Jesus. Last year we had a series called Finding Jesus in Genesis. And without realizing it, I think we've continued along those lines because it's just all over. Now think about it for a moment. We have Jesus as our bridegroom. And we've shared that being an ambassador for Christ really is being his best man. It's not political, it's relational. Again, ambassador is representative, and in the context of the time, the person who went out and said, hey, can so-and-so marry so-and-so, was the one who acted on your behalf. And we see a great example where Abraham sends out his, his servant, to go find a wife for his son. So that's exactly what the word ambassador that you get in the New Testament refers to. So we've been sent out into the world as servants of the Father to go and find and invite the bride to come and marry the son. Anyone with me? That's how you read Genesis. Okay. I believe in creation. I believe there was a flood. I believe all those things. But I believe there's more in the story of Genesis than what we read with the Mirah. Because now the word says, where Moses is read, a veil is over their eyes, but when we turn to Christ, the veil is removed, and now we see things as they are. So when we turn to Christ, and we pick up the Old Testament as we call it, we need to see something more. 
than what we saw before we turned to Jesus. So if you and a Muslim colleague go and read the Old Testament, you should get more out of it than what he does. For the very reason that he hasn't turned to Christ yet, so he's reading it, veiled. Okay? A lot of us, me included, I read the Old Testament veiled because I read it unsaved. I was taught stories like Noah, Jonah, creation. But it wasn't highlighted to me that this is talking about Jesus. Now the Israelites ask Jesus for a sign and he says, well, the only sign they will have is the sign of Jonah. Where's Jonah? Old Testament. What is the sign of Jonah? Someone went to share a message. What did Jesus preach? Kingdom. We forget that he preached kingdom before he got crucified. And then he was swallowed up in death, the tummy of a whale. And the Kitchener's Bible is very, very, very friendly with those pictures. I don't even know where the oxygen came from. You see, see always in, it's almost like it's camping. Last time I was in Albanus, there was no way I wanted to get in a well bed. But then after three days, what happens? There's rebirth. What happened at the cross? Three days in the grave, in the dark, in the, in the depths of the belly of the earth. And after three days, there is... I'm thinking that our Easter weekend, we're going to have a celebration and we're going to call it running on empty. Because the grave is empty. And then we're running on empty. The baby is empty. The grave is empty. We're running on empty. Now we're full of the Spirit. Yes, but we're living in the resurrected side of life. Amen? We cannot keep camping at the foot of the cross. That's not your first love. That's servitude. That's suffering. That's being married to Leah. Working, working seven years to get married. Now what happens is after this, Jacob says, listen, this wasn't fair. This wasn't fair. Like I was, this is not, that wasn't the deal. He says, okay, just see through your wedding, which in those cases, those days were a week. Then I'll give you Rachel, and then you will work for me for seven years. Okay, so stick with me. He worked seven years, and then he got Leah. Then he got Rachel before he worked another seven years. Anyone with me? That is the gospel. We don't work to get married. We work and serve the Father because we have married the Son. We have been married to Rachel, the one, the first love, the one we love, the beautiful one. And now because we are in that covenant, now we are about the Father's business. Now we serve Him together as one. Because the Word says that those who are one with Christ is one spirit with Him, one to the exclusion of any other. So we are working, yes, we are serving, we're about the Father's business, but not because we want to get the prize. We're working because that's all mindset, that's layout, that's, uh, that's all love. You realize? If you read the history, it's quite sad. I really feel for Leah. Okay? Because she was never loved. She was never loved. She was fruitful, but she wasn't loved. Okay? It's a different story. That is religion. That is working to get something. It's not love. But now he is so in love with Rachel that he doesn't even feel the work. And now we, we just, just jump over that bridge of where they intervene. And let's just draw the gospel, if you will, 
out of this encounter and we say, hey, I, under the law, work for seven years, seven weeks of completeness, to get something. That is one day when I die, I go to heaven. Then everything's going to be better. Okay? That's that mindset. We work now, we suffer now because one day we'll have golden streets and ashes. Okay? That's, that's layout. But living with the son, being married to the heir, right now is Rachel. Where we are married to the love of our life and we are serving together. We're serving as a team. We're serving not to get something, but we've got something. We're living a life that is not to, to impress the Father, to, to make him keep his promises. No, we have received what was promised, and now we serve the Father alongside Christ. Amen? The word says we are co-laborers with Jesus. So we're not laboring for Jesus, we are co-laboring with Jesus. So if you think about it, um, as a Jacob here was working for Rachel, technically. Like, let's take the second seven years. He was still working for Rachel. Like, he already had her, but he still owed a debt. Who do you think packed him lunch in the morning? Rachel. Or her servant. But let's say Rachel. <laughs> so now the one he was working for was supporting the work that he was doing by giving him lunch. To do the work. So you can see how the co-laboring actually works together. We are working for Christ, but we're working with Christ. We're working for eternity, but we're working with the eternal one. We are working for something bigger than ourselves, but we're not by ourselves. When we come home at night, there is someone who loves us. There is someone who cares. There is God who says, hey, I'm in this with you. So your first love really is working with the blessing, not for the blessing. Let's say that again. If you're living with your first love, you're working with the blessing, you're not working for the blessing. You know, you might think oh, it's obvious, but it's subtle. Because we need to be careful that we don't wake up next to the wrong wife. We need to be very careful that we don't wake up next to religion. That we don't wake up next to legalism. That we don't wake up in a mindset of I need to please God. I need to appease someone. I need to get something. And we might say, oh, we grace people, we, we understand, we got that out. Really? Do you? Every day? Or are there times when you're like, God, where are you? God, why is this happening? God, why is my business not coming to Why this? Like, we, we, we have a mindset of, I need to impress God. We have a mindset of distance. We have a mindset of eternity, which is wrong, which we think is one day. Where eternity is not a length of time, eternity is the outside of time. Because in the beginning, it is not when God created, it's where He created. In the beginning, it is not the time stamp, it is through, it is Christ. Because Acts says in Him, we live. And move. And how about you? Do you remember last year we had one sermon where I shared the fishbowl picture? That was really the best way to express this. We're not living anywhere but in Him. So in Him is the fishbowl. Like, and, and, and we don't even know how protected we are. 
like that bubble of being in love. Like, you can get bad news or a big fine, you just like, ah, so what? <laughs> it's almost like the hippies with free love, like, or Lion King with Makuta Matata. Like, that's sort of the mindset that we have. When we're in love, no problem really is that big. Now, in, in Revelation, Jesus says something and he says, I have this against you that you've deserted your first love. You've deserted your first love. And I want you to think about what that means. And if we link that then to Genesis, where we just come from, we need to realize that deserting your first love happened to one of the best churches, or the, the most successful churches, the church of Ephesians. But let's go back to Genesis. And it says, Jacob served seven years, and they seemed unto him but a few days, because of the love he had for her. Now, I want to share with you there, like when we're working for God, who loved you first, it's not hard work. You need to get that. I'm not a pastor because I'm serving God. It's difficult, and there's so much sewer, and that's what my portion. Now, I'm loving God and serving God because He loved me first. I'm sharing the gospel because I can't shut up. Okay? Because of His love for me. Like, I cannot but help inviting people into this goodness because, hey, it's so good and there's so much space. It's for all of us. This wasn't a career path. This wasn't a life plan. This wasn't 10 steps to freedom. No, this was just what happened because of what happened to me. Because I fell in love with the one who loved me first. Amen? And at my worst, He loved me. And because he loved me at my worst, I realized, hey, there's other people who need to hear that. There's other people who need to know that. There's other people who's married to the wrong wife. They wake up to the wrong person. They say, hey, but I thought God is better than this. And they walk away from Christianity because they don't want to be married to Leah. And they don't stick around to find out what it feels like to be married to Rachel, your first love, Christ. We need to think about these things. You know, the interpretation of Leah's eyes is, is very difficult in the Hebrew. If you read different translations, you see some say it's beautiful eyes, some say it's dove eyes, some say it's weak eyes, like she was sort of blind, or she was dull eyed, or whatever. But you know, John the Baptist, he baptizes people in different places. And one place where he baptizes Jesus is called the crossing. And he baptizes them at the crossing, and the crossing is the place where the Israelites cross the Jordan to go into the Promised Land under Joshua. So it's not insignificant. Because when we read Joshua, it's not talking about the Israelites going into the promised land. When we read Joshua, it's talking about Christ taking us into kingdom. It's Christ taking us into spiritual realities. So when Jesus gets baptized with John the Baptist, he says, hey, remember what happened with Joshua is now what was fulfilled. This is fulfilling what was promised when the Israelites walked through the river. In the water, out the water. Dead in, alive out. Okay? John the Baptist moves on, and there's another place, Aeon, that he baptizes later on. And that's where his disciples are upset that Jesus is not drawing bigger crowds than him. The word Aeon means dove eye. So living under John the Baptist's teaching is being married to Leah. Dove eyes. But we need to be living with Rachel, the resurrected Christ. Our first love. On the other side of the cross. Living in victory. Supernatural spiritual life. 
We're not worried about the needs and the foods and the things of this earth because we live it as if we're above, which is not somewhere, right? It's a spiritual realm. So what John the Baptist came to do was to show us in the natural what was promised when the Israelites crossed the Jordan. Because did the word say that Abraham in you will... How many nations? The one nation that's going to live there. Or all the nations. So it cannot only be about a piece of land that people are still fighting for, by the way. 2,000 years later, they still haven't got the revelation that it's not about the land. The land of your heart. Who does that belong to? Who's the king of the, the area? Who is authority in your heart, in your soul? When we gain ground for the kingdom, we like to say that, it doesn't mean we build another building. It doesn't mean we build another church. It doesn't mean even we take a new town. Then we just started ministry in our third town in Albania. So we're taking ground in a sense, but it's not about the towns or the pinpoints that we put on Google Maps. It's about the hearts of people in those towns. Okay? That's so important. So when you and I say we extend the kingdom, it's not to take a new town, it's to take more people into the kingdom. It's to get more people married to their first love. And the beauty of the first love really is that it's not about you. So let's look at that. So John 1, or 1 John 4. You see, when we read a term in the Word, we need to let the Word define the term for us. So we can clearly see that Rachel was Jacob's first love. Anyone with me? Okay? Now we see, in 1 John 4, 19, we love because He first loved us. So what is your first love? Who loved first? Can we ask that? So loving first was Him loving us. Not us loving Him. That's the second love. So of course we're going to love, the Word says it, because He first loved us. But we cannot love God more unless we receive more of His love. You see, that's where we get the cart before the horse. That's where we start serving before getting instead of serving because we've got. We serve for Rachel, with Rachel, because we got Rachel. Anyone with me? We don't serve for Leah because we're going to get Leah, but now we serve without Leah. No, we, we love because we were first loved. We can only give back what we received. So in Revelation, and do not have shared this with us before, when we look at Revelation 2 verse 4, it says, But I have this charge against you, that you've left your first love. You've left your first love. Meaning, you have fallen into legalism. You have fallen into performance. You have forgotten that I love you, and now you want to love me out of your own strength. Out of your own power. Which is really performance and works. You're working to get something, but meanwhile, I could say back in the garage, the one you're working for, you're really gone. I won't ask you to raise hands, but who felt this stupid when you realized that everything that you needed for God to give you, you already got? I remember when I did the teaching of better way to pray. I just stopped praying altogether because I felt so stupid praying because I realized, please forgive me, Father. All my sins, that sin and that sin, and then if I don't remember which sin I did, you just say, all my sins. Yeah? Just to make sure, it's like sweeper, like, just all my sins. 
And then you realize that I'll never again remember your sins. Forgive because you've been forgiven. And I'm like, well, that's lucky God's graces because I've been praying through the prayers for years. I didn't mean it, please. You see, that's the beauty of transformation. Is that we've got seven years to figure this out. And seven is not time, seven is completion. So Rachel didn't come after seven years, she stayed with them for more than seven years. Again, we see later on that Joseph and Benjamin is born, but we won't go that deep this morning. So what does this first love look like? So Romans 12 and verse 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. The ERV says, so I beg you, brothers and sisters, because of the great mercy God has shown us, offer your lives as a living sacrifice to Him, an offering that is only for God and pleasing to Him. Considering what He has done, it is only right that you should worship Him in this way. So how do we love God? We consider what He has done. Not what I need to do. We behold His mercies, His grace, His love for me. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son Jesus, Matthew 16. Verse 17 says, So that no one would be, He said, come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Why? Because of love. So the more of you hold that, like, I can switch on faith like this. If I had a difficult morning, if I don't sleep a lot, like, I've learned to just meditate on how awesome it is to be forgiven, to be saved, to be loved by God. And the moment I enter into that presence of God, mindset like you all, I was such a mess. <laughs> I was such a mess. I was trying so hard. Amen? But God saved me. God saved me. Like we spoke about it in Tuesday at our men's camp, men's meeting, about being saved, being born from above, born in a different realm. Like, I'm so loud. Like, I'm such a mess. But I'm so loved. <laughs> and then faith works by love. You see, that's how important this is. If we do not get this first love right, we won't live in faith. We won't produce. Because faith works by love. This generator is on by fuel. Okay? It works with fuel. So the generator dies and doesn't give power if there's no fuel. Your faith does not give power if there's no love. Because faith works by love. And love is not me working it. Be careful, that's married to the wrong word. Faith activates when I realize God loves me. And now, when I realize God doesn't only really love me, but God loves this person in front of me. Now, all of a sudden, you're moved by compassion like the true shepherd, and you have activated faith to speak into that person with supernatural power and faith. That's prophecy. If I look at you this morning, and I ask God in the Spirit, I said, God, help me show or tell these people how much you love them. Is that a difficult question? You need a degree in some something. 
Or do you need to be sensitive to your first love? Listen, friend. God loves you so much. God wants you to know that the fact that you're here today is not a coincidence. The meeting you had with Hagar and Marisa that led you to the ministry school was not an incident. It wasn't just haphazardly. And I feel God says that you've been running away. I see you like a frog and God coming behind you. Like you're jumping from leave to leave to leave. And God is saying, hey, keep coming with you. Surely goodness and mercy will chase you down every day of my life. Because what God has in you is not just for you. And what God has deposited in you, He wants you to not run away with Him, but run with Him. So God's not calling you to stagnate, God's not calling you to one place. God's calling you to move around, but with Him. God has called you and equipped you now to take what He's given you and to take Rachel, your first love, on this adventure. And that's with the life, with the family, and then what, as you go. But you don't need to, I, I feel like you feel what you had to give up to serve God was too much. And God says, I'm just going to actually add the follow the way you did. I hope that suits you. Is that difficult? I'm wrong. You know that God loves you. You're convinced that he loves you. But God wants to speak with your heart this morning. And he wants to tell you that don't listen to the voice of others that is not over you. The voices of people you have not submitted to. Listen to fathers, not teachers. Listen to people who love you and who care for you and the ones who are willing to have laid down their lives to take you with you. There are a lot of voices in your life. And God says you need to close those boxes. The same speech that is like Jack in the Box. You close the box. And you need to start focusing more on who He says you are, that He's going to tell you a few people. He wants to know, but there's going to be, like He wants to reaffirm, 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 reaffirm who you are. Because He's not done with you. He's not done with you. You know that, but he's not done with you. Like you, there's a maturity that he's calling you into that's much deeper than what you realize. Isn't God awesome? God just loves us. You see, you can do this. You can do this. Because I'm not special, but the special one is in me. <laughs> that's what we need to realize. In worship, it's like, it's not about me, it's not even about getting a word. Like, I didn't get a word in worship. I just found that um, unravel. But I was just enjoying it on. You heard me. I was like clapping hands and like, singing, and sometimes I sing so loud that my voice is gone by the time I need to preach. But that's okay. Because God wants you. And God wants you to know. And God wants you to tell the world, hey, it's not a burden to be married to the king. Christianity is not boring. Christianity is not for the safe ones. In fact, it's the adventure that people are scared of. Amen? When everyone ran out of New York City because of COVID, the great disciples who knew that God loved them ran in. Why? Because we're not afraid of death. We're not afraid of death. The world is afraid of death. That's why they go stupid. We have a passionate and compassionate shepherd. 
who's not just in the garden and in the field, but he's in the throne room. Like David. He was king after that he was shepherd. So he's the shepherd king. Here's really the way God has it. Because what did he love more? What was David's first love? His flock. Not his riches. And when he had it upside down, that she loved. But he repented and he returned to his first love, which was the flock. Which was God. And he got things right. And that's what God has for us this morning. He's calling us not to just stay on the path that we are, but to realign, to realize who's next to you. Is it service? Is it religion? Is it legalism? Is it performance? Or is it your first love? Is it Rachel? Is it the one who loves you first? What is your fuel? What is your passion? What is your destiny and purpose? Because our destiny is not to be married to a God of legalism, a God of performance. No, our destiny and our purpose is to be married to our first love and to live every day with that in mind. To live from that place, not for that place. To don't live for the prize one day, but for the source of love and acceptance within. And when we go out into this world, we tell the world not to come and be right with God. No, we tell them, hey, you're missing out. There's this God who loves you. He's invited me. He actually wants to marry you. God says that we should plead, be reconciled to God. So what is the picture that you have of God when you go out on mission? You have a picture of Jesus on his knee with an engagement ring because if you don't, you have it wrong. He is pleading on his behalf, hey, come, the heir of all things are on his knee waiting to get married to you. He's asked the question and only thing you need to do is say yes. What about my sin? What about giving myself up first? Did the prodigal son clean himself up first or after? After. I don't know where you are in, in who you are. You know, like if you can clean up nicely and you can, you can polish the grave. Where are you? What are you focused on? How good you should be, what you should do, how much you do you want to give, or are you just so in love that you don't think? Because then you'll actually do so much more. Because you're doing it from the source. You know, when we continue the story of Leah and Rachel, Leah has many more children. But Rachel bears the favorite ones. One of the multicolor coat. And Benjamin, the one who is love. We are the remnant. We are the food. If you look at statistics worldwide, Christianity is about 33%. But true believers married to Rachel, their first love, is not more than 10%. 10% of 8 billion people. 10% of 8 billion people have heard and accepted and got married to the one who loves them. 90% haven't. Pray the Lord the harvest. 
Because why? The harvest is ready. But the laborers are who? Why? Because we don't study the word like we should. We don't enjoy God like we should. We don't tap into our first love like we should. We've been taught to give and to serve and to, to do Bible study at least two chapters a day or read your Bible here. Why? Why? Why would we do that? You have to date your wife. Say, your wife. You get to spend time with your wife. Are we not just now? Right. Someone says, little baby says, like, yes, we need to spend some time together. Some nights, most nights, we know we need to go to bed. And we're like, but we just had like an hour already. Like, we don't want to go sleep now. We want to spend some time together. And we know the babies are going to wake up again at 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock and 2 o'clock and half past 1 and half past 4 like this morning. All of those basically. But we want to be together because we love and because we are love. So we serve God not because we have to serve God. We serve God because we're doing this adventure. A mission trip should be like a honeymoon with God. Think about it. If we're not doing it that way, we're doing it wrong. I'm not saying it's not going to be difficult. I'm not saying you're going to get your visa. I'm not saying that anything is going to be easy, but if you have your mindset right, and if you have the cart before the horse, or the horse before the cart, you, you, you plug into your first love, then you're just inviting other people to go with it. Really dry and dry, fell burn. Bad reason. You know, there's people out there who do not know that the word gospel means good news. We've done them a disservice. Because we're inviting them into something that they don't know is good. We're inviting them into something that they don't know is done. News is done. News is not to do. I found out one the bronze medal. That's news. That is news for you. It's news. It's done. It happened. You can't change it. Jesus died and rose again and is resurrected and poured out his spirit and loves you. It's done. You cannot change it. They don't do anything about it except tell people. You know, there was um, Japanese soldiers who were still fighting the war, I think seven or ten years after the war finished. They were still hiding in caves and still eating off the land and, and still being like in total war mindset. Do you know why? The good news of the war had never reached them. How many people are living like that today? Just think, if you got there and you were like, hey buddy, don't shoot me, the war is over. I've got good news for you. Do you think there was a relief? Do you think they were happy to hear the news? But why do we think missions are so, so difficult? It's beholding him. Considering what he has done, not what we need to do. Have we abandoned our first love? The word in Greek there in Revelation 2 verse 4 is first, protos, foremost, best, paramount, supreme, crowning, number one. 
Our first love is the love God has for us. We only love God because He first loved us. Are we deeply and eternally linked to our first love? Only then will we express a passionate devotion to Jesus and will it be seen in our relationship with others. You see, Leah knew she was in love. Law, religion, performance knows that it's not the true plan. And when you come out from the one and you taste the other, you know which is better. I'll close with this. <clears throat> Jesus does the first miracle. No coincidence there. Where? At a wedding. And what happens is that there's wine and the wine runs out. The wine is a celebration of the marriage. And the wine runs out. Why? Because it had to be bought, paid for, carried, service. The wine runs out. And Jesus' mother goes to him and says, the wine is finished. And he says, what's it supposed to do with me? But what does he do? They pour water into service jars, washing, ritual washings. And the servants go and takes it to the master of ceremonies. And he takes this water that's now turned into wine and he says what? The new wine is better. The new way is better. Grace is better. What comes after the cross is better. Because what happened? The blood was poured out. That's the first wine. The Holy Spirit was poured out the water of life and it turns into new wine. And the new wine after the cross is better than the old wine before the cross. Being married to Rachel, the second wife, the first love, is so much better than being married to Leah, the one who served her. But the world doesn't understand this because the master of sin says, come here. This is, this is wrong. Usually we serve the first, the good wine. And then later on, when everyone is drunk, we bring out the cheap stuff. So what I shared with you this morning is unconventional. It's even uncommon. But why miss out on the good stuff? Why not step into the new wine? The new way, the new wine, the first one. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca